So probably not the opening sermon uh, video that you would expect on a Sunday morning. But, but today, uh, we're going to be diving into one of my favorite passages. And, and as we look into this situation and this, this story that we see in Revelation chapter 5, we see a situation where the church in, in, in during that time was going through heavy persecution. John himself was actually boiled and then placed on the island of Patmos and left there to die for his faith and following Christ. And you look at John was one of Jesus' disciples. He had followed him around. He had, he had done all this ministry with him. And so here's John here on the island of Patmos. And one of the things that we see in this is the previous chapter in chapter 4. It describes the throne room of God. And there's a setting coming forth where all of creation, all of history is leading to this point that God is allowing John to see this vision of. And in this is a throne room of God. And so, so in that, John sees this person sitting on the throne, this, this being, and, and this light emanating from him, and it's God himself. And, and there's all these angels, there's all the saints, there's all those who have went before us worshiping God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in a lot of situations where it seems like all hope is lost. I remember uh, one of the greatest moments of my sports life that I ever got to be a part of was uh, I got to be in the queue the night that the Cavs won the championship. And I remember thinking, you know what, there's no way we could beat Golden State. Everything seems like it is overwhelming. And then when LeBron got the, what did he get? the block, right? And then Kyrie got the three, and, and things seem to be picking up. Well, this is so much better than anything else that we could ever imagine. I remember being there, and I hit my shin uh, jumping around and spinning around in the seats in the, in the queue, and, and I was so excited. But this is a picture of the greatest worship service that has ever ta- will ever take place. And this is a vision of when all things come together, and we see God's plan coming to complete. And so this picture also describes Jesus here as being the only one that is worthy. And so we're going to see here that angels and all the living creatures and 24 elders and all the saints are gathered around. And I just want to look back quickly to chapter 4, a few verses. And in verse 4, it says this, that day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders then fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. See, John is describing this worship service here that that there's a lot of things that we try to find our hope in. But John is getting to see the culmination of hopes and dreams all throughout Scripture, going back to to Abraham when God would promise, hey, your your people are going to be a blessing. They're going to be multiplied. And fill the earth. And it seemed like, you know, God, I don't really see how this is happening. And then God carries that out. And then God promises Judah that there would be this line of Judah that would come from David's throne. They would reign forever. How many of you guys have had things that just, you had dreams and hopes, but they seem like they don't really come to reality the way you thought they would? 
John is getting to see this picture here as the the church is being persecuted. People are being killed for their faith. God's going to show him that, you know what? I will have the ultimate victory, and I had that upon the cross. And so as we dive in today, let's go into prayer, uh, and then we're going to jump into chapter 5. Lord, I pray that you would be here with us this morning. Lord, I thank you for the worship team who led, and, and just what a blessing it is to have students who love you and love to worship you, Lord. I pray that this morning we'd be stirred in our hearts, Lord, for a deeper desire to worship and praise your name. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting, Lord, that you would uplift them. Those that need healing, you'd heal them. Those that need convicted, you'd convict us. And those that need challenge, Lord, you would challenge us. But Lord, ultimately, we want to be made more into your image and to worship you, our living hope, Lord. In your precious name, amen. And so as we start chapter 5, it starts off with a loud proclamation. And the book now turns into a scene in which there's no one worthy, either on earth or in heaven. And yet the king is going to make things right once and for all. And so let's turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And we'll, we'll start here in verses 1 for 4. It says, Then I saw... In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because there was no one who was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside of it. So John gets this picture, and in chapter 4, he's seeing, seeing this, this throne room of God and a glimpse of heaven, and, and, and he's seeing all these angels and all the saints worshiping and bow down, and now it comes to this point where there's a scroll, and the scroll contains God's plans for eternity, and there's no one who's worthy to open it. And so this scroll is also similar. There's ones found in Ezekiel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 12 and Isaiah 29. And these are always scrolls usually of woe or lament or, or warning, right? Uh, how many of you guys, your parents told you not to touch a stove when you were younger and you touched it anyways, right? I, I remember I had a blister on the side of my hand because, well, I just didn't believe that my mom was right. There, there's warnings that God's going to give his people of what is to come Yet there's no one that's, that's worthy or able to do that, but there's also God's blessing. And so we see here that the scrolls were sealed like this, were often used for final wills or inheritance in the Roman world. And so they would go and they would use the ring signet and they would actually stamp it usually six times and so it would be sealed. But God seals it here with seven seals showing his perfection and will. Part of what's happening here is these are the inheritance for those who have believed in Jesus Christ. And so no matter how hard life gets, no matter how hard the obstacles, we have hope that Jesus Christ is, has won the battle for us and we get to be called the sons and daughters of God. And so to a, to a church that's going through persecution, and I'm not just talking about people saying things about them on Facebook or Twitter, I'm talking about their lives being taken for them. This is encouraging to say, you know what? We are not worshiping God in vain. If Jesus Christ wasn't real, if he really didn't die and rise again, we would be wasting our times here on a Sunday morning. But isn't it good that we worship the risen king? And so as John continues on here, though, he finds that 
there is no one who is able to worthy open worthy to open the scroll and and so we see this loud proclamation who is worthy to open the scroll there's no one friends can i tell you there's a lot of times in my life where i can think a little bit too highly of myself um there's a lot of times where I think that uh, I can control situations. Pastor Jim encouraged the worship team and encouraged us beforehand to, to not think about what ourselves or how we might appear, but how does the name of Jesus Christ get lifted up? And so John, as he's looking through this, he, he, he's weeping, but there's no one that's worthy. There's no one that's righteous. And so we, we see this in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. This scroll um, is... is to approach the throne of God and to be holy. It says this in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. As is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away and all have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. The truth of the matter is that on my best day, Dan Kenyon is a fallen, broken person. There's no way that I could make my way to heaven by the amount of good things that I've done. And so John looks here and he's he's weeping and he's mourning and he's lamenting. Let me ask you this. John was moved by the fact that no one was able to open the scroll or look inside of it. Does your heart break for those who are lost? Does your heart break for the sin that we struggle with and say, God, there's no one that's worthy but you? And so he laments over this. And, and does the sin of the fallenness in the worst world, does it cause us to move to tears? But yet our hope shouldn't be, be crushed by that. Because we see in verse 5, and we could turn there now, it says, there, there one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion, the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. You know, I think when we were at that Cavs championship game, I was a little bit in shock. I'm like, this couldn't happen. I've been a Cleveland fan my whole life, and I've never seen anything but disappointments. But this is so much greater here. This elder is proclaiming here that don't weep. Yes, we are fallen, broken people. Yes, we live in a fallen, sinful world, and it is hard to follow Christ. Yes, there's marriages that struggle. There's families that struggle. There's finances that struggle. But Jesus Christ will make all things right. And in that is, should be our hope and where we find our joy. And so, so John's weeping and hopelessness is conquered by the reality of Jesus Christ and that he is worthy to open the scrolls. What are the things in your life that you're saying, God, I don't know if I could really trust you. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's fears. Maybe it's worries. Maybe it's thousands. God, what are you going to do? But Jesus has it under control. In this moment, John is seeing that all the truth of Scripture is becoming a reality before his eyes. Can you imagine what that will be like one day to stand before God and just say, Jesus, it was all worth it. But Jesus, I'm only here because of what you've done for me. And also this shows us that Jesus is able to, to, and worthy to speak to the worries of your heart. You might think there's nothing, there's no way I can overcome this obstacle, but Jesus is able. He is worthy. And so this whole theme that John keeps going back to is Jesus is worthy. And and I love what James Hamilton and Hughes, two commentaries, 
um, say about this. It says, we know that the rest of the old, or the rest of Revelation and what happens once the scroll is open, but it would not happen if it didn't, or if Jesus was not able to receive the scroll. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus would not be worshipped as the one worthy to open the scroll. And later in verse 9, Jesus would not be worshipped as the world's redeemer. Do you know that in all of Revelation and all of Scripture, Jesus only died for us. And yet the angels worship and rejoice over what Jesus has done for us. You know, I, I love holding my kids and just telling them, you know what, I love you. You know, God has big plans for your life. And I love praying over them. And, and, and I think about this, the fact that Jesus is worshipped by the angels for what he has done for us. He left this place on high and came down to earth for us. And, and in verse, verse 10 of chapter 6, the martyrs' uh, faith would not have been avenged. They, they cry out and say, God, don't you see what is happening in the world? How many of you have felt that way? You look at the news, you look at your families, you look at things going on and say, God, if you are sovereign, why aren't you taking care of things? If Jesus wasn't worthy to open the scrolls, those martyrs and those of us who are going through things wouldn't have faith. Chapter 8, the prayers of the saints would not have been answered. We see that Jesus, the prayers are going to be brought before him and they're answered. Our prayers don't return void because Jesus is worthy. We can go to him. And I remember as a high school student, just sometimes crying out to God and our family was in the midst of all this turmoil and said, God, I need you to show up. And I remember the comfort and peace that he brought. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen on our time, but we see here in the book of Revelation that everything that Jesus promises us will come true. God's appointed plan would not come to pass, chapter 9. The kingdom of the world would not become the kingdom of God. Chapter 16 through 18, the wickedness would not be judged. Jesus would not come back in chapters 19 through 20. and chapters 21 through 22, there wouldn't be a new heaven and a new earth that we long for, and our tears wouldn't be wiped away. You know, the Bible says that one day every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. In short, all hope would be lost. You think back to the opening thing, if you watch the Star Wars movies, right? You think back to the, to the, the new hope, and it seems like evil is winning all around. And in our world, it seems like evil is winning, but Jesus has already won. And I love these lyrics from the songs that we sing, Death Arrested, and just listen to these. It talks about Jesus being on the cross. This is our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoices though heaven had lost, but listen to these words. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. See, when we worship Jesus in this vision that John's seeing, He's seeing all the prayers, all the desires that we, we long for coming to fruition. And one day, this will be. And so John's lamenting is interrupted by the elders and the proclamation. And, and the one thing that he is worthy. And, and talking about the line of, of Judah. This is fulfilling the prophecy kingship given to Judah in Genesis. This is going back to, to, the, to the beginning of the Bible that God gives this promise. And yet it's fulfilled here in the end. And then we come to Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. And I just want to read this verse to you. 
This is what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. He says, he has destroyed what was against us. We sang that song earlier. I won't stand, I won't let fear control me, right? I'm going to stand against it when we're in his love. And a certificate of indebtedness expressed in uh, decrees opposed to us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19 says, You know that your empty way of life is inherited from your ancestors, but you were ransomed, not by perishable things like silver and gold, but by precious blood like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Christ. And so we continue on here as, as we see here that, 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 that John hears this from the elder saying, hey, there's one who is worthy. And we're going to see a better picture here in verses 6 through 7. Just a little bit of, of, of what's going on. It says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. You picture this. There's all of creation. There's all the elders. There's all these angels gathered around the throne. And all those who have come before us and will come after us. And and, and they're standing there and none are worthy. And Jesus walks up and he he takes the scroll from the right hand of the Father. In that scroll is our inheritance. And so Jesus wasn't shown as a mighty warrior here, but he was shown that as the lamb who was slain, but this lamb was the one who had conquered the grave. The one thing that we see here and in, in, in here at seven symbolizes perfection. And so the seven symbolizes the fullness and, and, and the seven horns show God's fullness of power. He came back here the first time as the, the gentle lamb that would be slain for our sins. But it shows the next time that he's coming back as the mighty warrior and king. So the seven um, horns represents his power and his glory and his strength and his might. And, and so a lot of times too, we look around the world and we see all the evil going around, but we need to remember that we were worship a powerful God. There's no one else who has defeated the grave. Next, we see that Jesus has authority and power to walk up and take the scroll from the hand of the Father. Now, this only happened because of sinless, perfect life and the fact that he laid down his life for you and I. And the great thing about it, too, is that because of what Jesus has done, we ourselves can boldly approach the throne of God. Do you know that uh, when I was younger, uh, and still, it was still when I was in college, um, I was really wrestling with, God, how can you love me when I continue to sin and break your heart? And I remember one, the pastor said, Dan, how could you be so afraid of something that you didn't earn yourself? Jesus is the one that paid for your sins. Jesus is perfect, not you. And so because of that, we can go to the Father. We can say, God, here's my heart. God, I I need you to work in this situation. So because of Jesus' boldness and because of what he has done in his Godhead, we can approach God. And so Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. 
Can I be honest? There's times even as a pastor where I just don't feel like believing. I get discouraged. I get downhearted. But then I remember whom I'm believing in. And so Paul in Hebrews gives us this encouragement to to hold on firmly to the faith they profess. Because listen to this, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus lived the same life that we lived. He lived on this earth. He was mocked, he was spit on, he was beaten, but he rose again. That is where our hope comes from. And so Paul ends here in verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. He says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The reason we can approach the throne that we're seeing in Revelation here is because God's grace. Grace is something that we don't deserve. It's God showing us his kindness that, that I don't deserve this relationship with God, but yet he loved us enough to send his only son, Jesus, to live a sinless, perfect life and die for us. And so this lamb takes the scroll. We're going to see here just a beautiful picture of what happens. So in verse 8 in chapter 5 of Revelations, it says this, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one of them had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls and incense, which were the prayers of God's people. And, and so what they do is, is when the Lamb comes in, they fall down to worship him. I think of the song I can only imagine. And I think, what will it be like when we're standing in God's presence, where now we hope for something that we do not see, but we know that for many of us that Jesus Christ has so radically changed our lives, that we have hope in him. I know that God has taken my dad from someone who struggled with alcohol and drugs and turned around to a man that I respect and call for advice all the time. Why? Because Jesus Christ has worked in his life. I know that in my life, the things that I struggle with and fears and worries that God has helped me with, it's only because of who he is. See, we can argue how many days the earth was created. We can argue all these things to are blue in the face, but no one can argue with what Jesus Christ has done in your life personally. And, and so as you look at this passage and, and you see the, them falling down, one of the things that we see here is they fall before the lamb, but each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are for the prayers of God's people. It's interesting that in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and Revelation chapter 6, we see the same imagery that there's these bowls of the prayers of the saints. And, and what these are is, is these are the prayers of the martyrs, prayers of the people who coming before God and say, God, we need you to intervene. Lord, we want justice. And they're lifted up at the throne room before God. Once again, that it reminds us the fact that our prayers don't go void, that God hears our prayers And one day, he's going to make everything right. The other thing, too, is if you read the book of Revelation, in in the first few chapters, it talks about um, the seven churches. And the one of the churches is Smyrna. Smyrna was mainly, the, the main thing that they made was myrrh. Can anyone remember a story maybe we just went over that covered that, right? Myrrh was sweet smelling 
perfume or aroma. And in the book of Revelation, it talks about the fact that when they would go through their sufferings and persecutions, that it would allow uh, a sweet aroma would arise up. Why? Because they would follow God and they had a heart that said, God, no matter what I go through, I'm clinging to you. Hope Church, no matter what we go through here as a church, if we cling to Jesus Christ, if our hope is in him, he is the only one that is worthy to work in our lives, our families, and our church. And you know what? When we stand before God someday, we're going to get to see the culmination of things. And, and we don't know why we go through these tears, why we go through these hardships, but we know that God's going to make it right. And he's the same God who, who is working in our lives today. And so one of the only, thing, the only thing the elders could do is fall down and worship before the Lamb. Do we humble ourselves? Do we humble ourselves and say, Jesus, you deserve the authority. And they had instruments prepared to praise. When we come in here on Sunday mornings, man, we come in here to rejoice, right? And, and so I saw some Browns fans in here. How many of you guys are going to watch the Browns today, right? All right. Uh, I really expected more. That's really, we got to work on that. But, uh, you know, we're out of the playoffs, right? But we're going to watch it. I'm excited to see it, not a losing season and to make sure that Baltimore doesn't make it, right? I, I, 1994, I cried many tears and just weeped as the Browns left. But, but we think about this time here, this humility, this coming before God and saying, God, we need you to work. We need you to move. But Jesus, we're going to worship you. And Sunday mornings, we come in here not just to say, God, you better fill me up. Hope the message is good. I want to learn. We say, Jesus, you are worthy, so I'm here to worship you. Amen. Guess what? That ceases a whole lot of things in our life and calms it down, right? Our worries, our strife, our fighting, our, all these things that go on. Jesus, when we put our eyes on him, it, it fills us. And so we see that he is worthy. But in, in chapter 6, verse 10, this bowl of, of prayers that are brought before Jesus, it says, They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord? holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Life isn't always easy and it may not have the results we want here on earth, but we know that Jesus is faithful and that he hears us. So verses 9 for 10, as we continue along here, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus' blood paid for every single one of us. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priest and to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And I can hardly get for this next passage without choking up and getting emotional. As I was reading this in my office over the next past few weeks, it just hit me so hard just seeing what Jesus went through and the fact that our hope is not in vain. So first thing from this last passage is Jesus' blood is the only thing that can forgive us of our sins because it's the only he is the only, only his death upon the cross is what could pay for our sins. Christ's sacrifice calls us also to serve God. So first it starts off with saying, Jesus, I need you, I need that relationship. But then God calls us to serve. Hope Church, what if we were a people that said, Jesus, we're going to serve you with all that we have because you are worthy. 
If you don't get anything else from today, it's I want us to get in our mindset that Jesus, you are worthy. And Jesus' sacrifice was for all mankind, for all who would call on his name. Do our hearts break for those that don't know the truth of Jesus Christ? And then we move on to these next verses here. And I want you to picture what this church service is going to be like in verses 11 through 12. It says, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. What are they praising God for? They're praising Jesus for the fact that he died for mankind. They don't get to enjoy the the gift of what Jesus has done, but they're amazed that Jesus would die for sinners like us and that that he would defeat sin and death. Friends, do we have that same amazement over Jesus and what he has done for us? And he wraps up with these last few verses here. He says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under earth and all the sea and all of that, that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And you think about this, there's this new camera that just came out, right? And how many of you seen on, on Facebook or anything, there's this camera in China that you can zoom in from like a mile and a half out and see people's faces with complete clarity. And it's a 360 view. It's slightly creepy, but, but it, it, it gives you a picture as, as you start off and there's the throne of God. And there's Jesus coming up and taking the scroll from his hand. And then you back up and there's the elders and they're worshiping God saying, holy, holy, holy. Then there's the angels, ten thousands upon ten thousands. And then there's all of the believers who have ever come before and ever will come before and they're worshiping God. And then there's all of creation is declaring and crying out praise to Jesus. And we're worried about what people think about us. Can you picture what that moment's going to be like? I've often pictured what would it be like if the Browns won a Super Bowl. And, and, and I know that's a far-fetched one, but, but I think about this, and this is reality because what Jesus has already done. And so our praise on Sunday morning should also reflect this, but here's some things that I want us to think about as we close. Jesus is the only one they can make sense of our crazy world. Maybe you're here and you've been fighting it and you're just saying, you know what? I, I can do things on my own. Apart from Christ, this world doesn't make sense. I'd encourage you that if you've never come to the point of saying, you know what, Jesus, I need you in my life, that you would say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I don't, I, I, I remember as a teenager, a lot of times just saying, God, I, I need you right now. But I remember there was a time in my life and, and really, really, uh, even though I accepted Christ at a young age in, in, in college, I had this time of crisis where I just said, God, I don't, I don't know where I stand right now. God, I feel lost. Lord, I need you to show up in my life. And guess what? Jesus was worthy to do that. And he said, said, Dan, I love you. I have a plan for your life if you would just follow me and surrender to me. 
And I can't tell you that it's always been easy, but what I can tell you is he's always been faithful to me. And I'd encourage you, if that's you today, that you would make that decision. Just say, Lord, I, I know I've fallen, but I need you. And so secondly, have you accepted the precious lamb of God and what he has done for you? Do we worship him for that daily? You see, you can't take part of the celebration. And, and it's like... Um, I'll, I'll never forget going into uh, Norwalk High School, and a lot of times my students would like let me sit with them, and it was cool. Usually it was the freshmen. Once they got sophomores and juniors, eh, not so much seniors, definitely not. And I went to go sit down at a table. I said, hey, guys, and they moved a book bag, and this is like my worship team, all right, guys? So they, they, they moved the book bag onto the seat, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, someone's sitting here. And I was like, oh, okay. So I walked around. Well, no one sat there, okay? They just didn't want me to sit with them at that time. When, when it comes to a relationship with God, unless you've placed your hope and trust in him, you can't have part of this celebration that God has. But he, he died so that we can all be a part of it. But he calls us to call on his name. So I'd encourage you today, maybe God's working your heart and saying, you know, today's the day I want you to find the freedom and hope that's only found in Christ. And it's not because we're good, perfect people. It's because he is worthy. And last, can you imagine what it would be like one day to worship with all of creation before King Jesus and before his throne, we're gathered there and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And the old things will be no more and behold, he'll make all things new. Man, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. You know, we've had a few people recently that went on to be with the Lord and passed away. And, and I know that it's hard for us here on earth, but I don't think anyone would ever regret one second being standing in the presence of God with no sickness, no pain, no suffering, and worshiping Jesus who has made all things right. So let's close in prayer. And as the worship team comes up here this morning, I would just like us to just think for a second. If you're here today and, and you do not have that relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you, let today be the day that God changes your hearts, that God change, steps in and, and, and makes you new. And it starts off with simply just saying, Jesus, I've fallen. Jesus, I'm unworthy of, of your relationship. Jesus, I believe that you lived a sinless, perfect life, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And Jesus, I ask you to come and be king of my life and be in control. And guess what? He is worthy to right the wrongs in your life because he has already done that upon the cross. So let's just pray together. And that, that's you today. I just encourage you just to just repeat this in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've made mistakes. Lord, I admit that I've sinned. Lord, that I've fallen short of what you have for me. But Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you lived a sinless, perfect life and you died on a cross and you rose again. And Lord, I believe that one day you'll make all things right. And Jesus, I ask you into my life. I ask you to change me, to make me new. Lord, I want to live with you. In your precious name, amen.